Under the leadership of Sheriff Patrick Kayleen, the Hampshire County Sheriff's Office offers medication-assisted treatment for those struggling with opioid addictions. This is Mindy Cady, Director of Medication for Opioid Use Disorders. We want you all to know that we provide community-based support and referral services with our partners at the Northampton and Ware Recovery Centers. If you or someone you know is living with alcohol or drug addiction or just simply needs some direction, we're here and we're happy to help. Stop by or find us at HampshireSheriffs.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Recovery is something that you have to work on every single day, and it's something that doesn't get a day off. Demi Lovato. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and every week we're here to share stories, not just from current or formerly justice-involved individuals, but even those who might be considered underdogs in the game of life, because all of them are hustling to put their past in the rearview mirror and start anew. And of course, like many of the resources we feature, it does take a village to carve that new path and prove that failure isn't final. So listen in as we unlock their future and they rewrite their story. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome everyone to this week's The Hustler Files. This week we have here in studio a group of dedicated professionals who themselves are hustling to be the solution and to many, the saviors of those living with drug and alcohol addictions. Welcome, Assistant Deputy Superintendent Melinda Cady, also known as Mindy, and Dr. Katie Kroskoff, also known as Dr. Cady, from the Hampshire Sheriff's Office Medication for Opioid Use Disorder Services, or as they call it, the MOOD program. Thanks for having us. It's yeah, great to be here. Great to be- so excited to have you. I've been chatting with the sheriff about having you for quite a long time, so I'm glad we're finally having this conversation. Mindy, you and Dr. Katie brought with you today two other medical team members that you work with, Jason Cooney and Bridget Zwalowski, and we'll chat with you in a little bit, so hang tight. All right, give me first a little background on each of you personally as far as your career goes with the Sheriff's Department before I dig in on the opioid treatment program itself. I've been with the Hampshire Sheriff's Office since 2004. I came here from other correctional experiences in eastern Massachusetts, and I have overseen treatment, reentry, volunteer, and religious services for many, many years. And since 2017 or 18, began overseeing all of our opioid use disorder treatment programs. And presently, I'm the director of MOUD services with the House of Correction. And Dr. Katie, how about you? Um, So I'm an internal medicine physician, board certified in addiction medicine. And I've been with the Hampshire Sheriff's Office since Mindy approached me in 2021 to join the team and run the opioid treatment program from the medical director standpoint and been a great run so far. And you're also the medical director for outpatient services at Mira Vista and Holyoke. That's correct. That's wonderful. So we've had this conversation a few times on the show with different sheriff's departments. And one of the things I really, really want to clarify today is what makes the Hampshire County Sheriff's OTP program and mood stand out from 
just any other sheriff's department. But before we dig into that, I just want to read something. So back in March, um, Sheriff Kaylane was a guest columnist uh, with the Daily Hampshire Gazette. This was his opening paragraph, and I'm going to read it because I hadn't read it until today, and I was blown away. And I do this show every week, and we deal with this subject on, on quite a regular basis. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse and other organizations that monitor the link between crime and addiction, approximately 65% of incarcerated Americans have a diagnosed substance use disorder, and an additional 20% were under the influence of drugs or alcohol when they committed their crime. Although 85% of incarcerated individuals with some degree of substance abuse is a staggering figure, that's an understatement, a recent National Academy of Sciences report on medications for opioid use disorder indicates that only 5% of those individuals are receiving medication-assisted treatment. I have goosebumps. Like, how is this possible? Um, Dr. Katie, do you want to kind of give us your overview? There's a lot of stigma around treating patients in the incarcerated setting, you know, sort of who deserves treatment, who doesn't. And that's actually probably first and foremost what makes our program different. The belief at the jail, the true culture at the jail is that patients deserve to be treated like human beings, and they can do better if they're treated with evidence-based medication. There's tremendous amount of evidence for medications for opioid use disorder, methadone, suboxone, Vivitrol. These medications work to help patients feel better, participate in their own rehabilitation, and recover. And that's really the bent that our program takes. Mindy, you and I talked at length last week to get to know each other a little bit better before today's show. What makes the sheriff's office here in Hampshire County stand out? Well, in terms of offering uh, services for opioid use disorder treatment, there are a couple of things that I think make us stand out. One of which, and I have to say this one first, is we have a really, really incredible team. You know, we have a team that's really led by our physician, Dr. Katie. The staff across the board, whether it's our medical staff, of which you'll hear a little bit from Jason Cooney, our lead RN, or our behavioral health staff, of which um, Bridget's with us today, or our security department, our reentry department, we all really work together very, very well to be able to provide really cohesive services, not only to the men while they are actually with us in the facility, however, to be able to support them as they leave the facility and go out into the community as well. As a matter of fact, we were asked to do a national presentation last year regarding exactly this, how our MOUD program, how our opioid use disorder program tied directly into the services that we offer outside and the link between the services we offer inside, whether it's the medication that's prescribed or the evidence-based group or individual treatment that's offered, the reentry planning that gets done, the transitional services that are offered, the support that we provide down at the two recovery centers that we work with either in Ware or in Northampton. It's a really cohesive program where people are supported not only when they come in the door, where they're really well assessed to the treatment that they get while they're with us, but also to ensure that the treatment that they get with us is 
maintained when they leave. It's not just one of us. It's not one or two of us. It's been a whole team effort. And I guess, secondly, I would say that we are one of two facilities in the state of Massachusetts who actually are our own opioid treatment program, our own clinic, our own OTP. And we're one of very few in the entire country who operate as our own OTP. And it also gives us a really great opportunity to provide really individual treatment when it's needed. You know, I mean, we drive people to appointments. If people have been released and they need to get someplace, they need to get to that clinic to get an appointment, we take them. And I think that, you know, having completed the work, and it was really, really, it it was an exhausting process. There's five different certifications that were involved that included numerous audits and visits and policy development. And it was really worth it when it came down to it in the long run because it's put us in a really great position to be able to really serve and work with the people who come to stay with us for a period of time. So all of those certifications were because this is a federally licensed OTP program? Yes. As a matter of fact, when we started back in 2017, the Department of Public Health asked volunteers to be part of a pilot program. And this pilot program was really developed to provide medication for opioid use disorder to individuals who are incarcerated in facilities in Massachusetts. So us and a handful of other facilities jumped on board. And through that, we became able to offer maintenance for buprenorphine, which people call, you know, suboxone, sublocate. There's a number of different um, variations. And during that period of time, when we decided to do the work to become our own, that opened us up to much more. When Dr. Katie came on board, we had the opportunity to become a fully operational clinic. And it's a road that research has demonstrated works. So Dr. Katie, that sort of segues me into my question for you is, what is the criteria that you go through the step-by-step process when you meet with these people who have multi-level addictions, if that's the best way to frame it. Is it really individual and you go through like a lot of background conversation and, and how long they've been using and the type of products they're using and all of that? Absolutely. It's truly individual and the, the process starts pretty much right when they come in the door and they meet with the nursing team. We have a system by which our nurses begin to take a pretty detailed history and physical of their substance use disorders and their general health and wellness. And then the nurses will present to me the case and the individuals will also meet with our clinical team to understand, do they meet, you know, diagnostic criteria for the DSM-5 of a true substance use disorder? And then we put all the pieces of the puzzle together and we meet the patient and we get their story. We hear, what have they been struggling with? How much have they been using? Have they tried treatment before? What's worked for them before? What do they envision their recovery goals are now? What's motivating them for treatment? Where do they want to end up in terms of their treatment for substance use disorder? And everybody's answer is different, and everybody's needs are ultimately different depending on where they're headed next. So we really cater our treatment plans to the individual based on their history and based on what their hopes are for themselves. What's the average treatment plan for someone that's sort of middle of the road addiction, like they're not over the top, but they can't get off of it on their own? If I'm understanding your question right, it's sort of, is somebody on this for life, basically, right? Are we getting at that question? Yeah, I mean, is it a lifetime of this, or is it a treatment plan that 
they can go through in six months or a year, and then with counseling and the reentry services and all of that, they, they can leave, and if they don't start reusing, they can actually move forward with their life, or are they constantly on some type of medication to help them from relapsing? That's a great question. I think that's the question that almost everybody in the community has, right? And so I always step back and I say to the patient, first of all, you drive the ship, okay? We're not going to have you on something you don't want to be on. We're not going to increase your dose if you don't want to increase your dose. We're not going to lower your dose if you want to lower your dose. We're going to keep you stable. And then I talk to patients about how long they've been using and how much time they need for their brain to heal in response to that period of use. And then we often use the analogy of a chronic disease other than substance use disorder for diabetes, for example, is one that really resonates with people. We have a lot of patients in the community with diabetes who are on medications, insulin or otherwise, for as long as they need to be. Some patients are able to modify their lifestyle, change their diet and exercise habits and get off of those medications, but many are not. And we don't say to diabetics, when are you getting off your insulin? What's wrong with you? Why are you using your insulin every day? And Substance use disorder requires the same perspective in terms of chronicity, lifelong support, potentially medication-wise, but certainly there are others who are able to address it without medication. So we're open to what a patient feels will work for them and what the evidence supports. It's fascinating to me, and and what you and Mindy and, and Bridget and Jason do every day is just courageous and it's commendable, and we need to take a quick break here. We're going to be back in a few minutes. So if Dr. Katie and Mindy and Jason and Bridget, you can hang out with us a little bit longer. Listeners, don't go too far. We'll be right back with this week's The Hustler Files. Do you have a background in social work or recovery coaching? Hampshire Sheriff's Department is looking to enhance our evolving correctional services. This is Patrick Kaling, Sheriff of Hampshire County. If you're looking for a career helping people, the Hampshire Sheriff's Office is hiring. Make a difference. Visit our website, HampshireSheriffs.com, and submit an application online or call 413-584-5911 and ask for the HR department. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. If you're just joining us, we have here in studio from the Hampshire County Sheriff's Office the team of professionals who are saving lives with their federally licensed opioid treatment program. And we've been talking with Dr. Katie and Mindy, but I'm going to switch gears and jump in with Bridget and Jason, who uh, I have been told are the heart and soul of this program at the Hampshire County Sheriff's Jail. So Bridget and Jason, welcome to the Hustler Files. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right. So let's do a little background (laughs) on you so our listeners know who you are. Bridget, we'll start with you. What's your role um, at the jail? So right now I'm the MOUD coordinator. I started out in security back in 2013. I decided that wasn't the route for me to go, so I went back to school um, and then started off as case manager in 2015 and then came into the role as a, the MOUD coordinator back in maybe almost two years ago now. So before I get to Jason, so what does being a coordinator involve on a daily basis? Because coordinator is a very broad term, and in every different private or public industry, it 
can be very different. So what does your day look like? So I do a lot of like the day-to-day operations. So overseeing the clients, um, overseeing the clinicians, um, making sure the clients are engaging in, you know, their individual and group therapy, um, you know, monitoring their medications, their medication requests, making sure um, all their needs are met, whether that's, you know, communicating with the doctor, communicating with Mindy, um, and just making sure, you know, if anyone's in crisis at the time that we're addressing their needs immediately. So So that brings up a good question Mm -hmm. is, and maybe Dr. Katie needs to answer this as well, but if you're monitoring someone's medication to keep them stable, how do they fall back into crisis if they're being monitored? Well, typically in the jail setting, we're not seeing a lot of falling back, and hopefully we're not. We have a lot of supports in place. Um, Oftentimes when people leave and and reenter the community where they're re-exposed to triggers, persons, places, things, all of the above, you know, they struggle. And we try to prepare individuals for that before they leave. They quite extensively work with Bridget and her team along those lines. But, you know, a good dose of medication for opioid use disorder, someone should have their withdrawal symptoms addressed, their cravings assisted, and they should be able to function normally. And so that's that's really our end result with the, the medications in, in the jail. But our program is much bigger than that. That's a great answer. And I, I ask that because people do want to know, like, you know, it, how do people relapse and, and if they're being monitored. And it's tough because we want to see everyone be successful and it doesn't always work out that way. We also have with us today Jason Cooney. Jason, welcome to the Hustler Files. Thank you for having me. You are an RN? Yes. Okay, awesome. Give us a little background on yourself. Uh, I started at Hampshire County in early 2020 hired as the MOUD lead nurse. I currently work with eight other nurses that are also very supportive of the program. And that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) You're a nurse, and uh, we know how important nurses are, especially coming through COVID, as I mentioned earlier. So, Jason and and Bridget, I'm going to ask you the same question. What do you think the best part of your job is, and what do you think the worst part of your job is? I mean, I definitely think that our best, because we work really, really close with each other on a daily basis. Um, I think the best part of our day is when a client comes in and they're detoxing, they're just kind of all over the place and just just really, I, I, I want to use the word chaotic because it's chaotic, and we are able to be there and support them and provide the medication and, and see it through. That's the most rewarding thing that you can possibly witness with someone, just seeing them at their worst. And then all of a sudden they're, they're like this brand new person and you can work with them. And it's just, it's, it's really, really rewarding. What do you yeah. think's the worst part, Jason? Seeing them in the detox. Yeah. Like, like today, um, we saw a gentleman that we know and we helped, um, detoxing and in need of, uh, some intervention. And so I guess the worst part would be seeing someone that we know come back and then but well like what Bridget just said is we were able to uh support them and tell them we're working on it and we were able to rectify the situation and get him some help and he's feeling better right now yeah i think you have to have a certain emotional peace inside you to do what you all do every day um I personally couldn't do it. I would be falling apart on a on a regular basis. So I, I applaud all of you for the for the work that you do. 
Dr. Katie, we, we touched briefly on the term treatment desert because it comes up a lot. And I just kind of wanted you to speak to that. What is a treatment desert? Sure. So unfortunately, there are a lot of communities, both in Western Massachusetts and across the country, where it is difficult, if not impossible, to access medications for opioid use disorder, in particular methadone because of the way methadone is provided through a licensed opioid treatment program. But also, there are communities where a patient cannot access suboxone, buprenorphine, or any other treatments. And so, unfortunately, we still see that today, even with relaxed rules around providing medications to take home from opioid treatment programs or relaxed rules around who can prescribe suboxone, we're still seeing communities where patients cannot get the help that they need. And you only do inpatient behind-the-wall treatment, or are you also providing treatment for formerly incarcerated who still need treatment on a daily or weekly basis? Through the sheriff's office? Yes. So we can only work with men who are with us inside, um, but we do have this tremendous capacity to connect to the programs in the area and bridge patients to providers in the community. So our, our aftercare planning, so to speak, focuses a lot on that and where patients are going to end up and what medications they might have access to depending on what community they think they're going to be in. Bridget, do you think there's an abnormally high amount of alcohol and drug addiction in certain pockets of the state of Massachusetts compared to maybe other parts of the country? Or is this sadly become the norm? I feel like sadly it's become the norm. Um, I feel like no community, no ethnicity, no rate, there, there's no one safe from this type of addiction, especially with opiates. Um, I just, I feel like across the board, there's, it seems like every community is hurting because of this epidemic. So I always ask my guests this final question because we're running out of time per usual. And I hate to say that, but um, we could talk about this for hours. So my question, and I'm going to start with Bridget, and we'll work back to Dr. Katie, is I'm a believer that everybody has a life assignment, okay? And maybe you've already had one and you're on your second one, or maybe you're still on the first one, or maybe it hasn't shown up yet. Bridget, what would you say your life assignment is? I think that my life assignment is to help people, to make sure that they have all the resources that they need and just even be a resource for them. That's awesome. And Jason, how about you? I think uh, my life source might have been helping out people in the same way. I started out as a nurse working 20-plus years at a hospital in the area and never imagined working in the MOUD program. But now that I have started doing it, um, it's going to be what I do till the end of my career. Very admirable. Mindy, what's your life assignment? Hmm, I'm not really sure. Probably I would have to say, uh, you know, being able to support people wherever uh, they may be. And, you know, I've been a clinician for many, many years. And one of the things that I know I've always discussed with clients over the years is that, you know, look at this as an opportunity. Today I'm here and I can extend my hand out this way to you and give you a hand and help you. And, Someday you're going to be in a position to extend your hand to me and you're going to be offering me help as well. So 
don't take this as a one-way kind of an interaction. We're all going to get there, and part of what I see is I want to play my role in helping us all to get there. Well, I have a feeling you play your role very, very well. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, Dr. Katie, what you're, you're a physician, you're a healer, but is there another part of your life assignment that you feel you're in the midst of? I can say that I truly love this work. Um, I've done a variety of things in medicine, and as Bridget said and Jason said, we get to see people get better quickly, and we get to give them their lives back, and there's strong evidence to support what we do, and that feels great as a medical provider to be able to do. That's why I went into medicine. Wonderful. So we are out of time, and I want to thank... Dr. Katie and Mindy and Jason and Bridget, I think it takes, as I said earlier, a certain kind of person to see beyond the guise of addiction and actually know there's a human underneath. And I'm very grateful that you have all come today to to share your stories. So listeners, we're going to take a quick break. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back to follow up with more of The Hustler Files. You became an RN, LPN, mental health clinician, counselor, or recovery professional because you believe in the value of wellness, treatment of disease, and prevention of illness. And that also means that you have the right stuff to join the medical and mental health care team at the Hamden County Sheriff's Office. Making the world a better place takes a village, and even more so with justice-involved individuals. So why not consider dedicating your next career move to changing countless lives for the better? Visit hcsoma.org. That's hcsoma.org to join the team today. We are back. And before we close out this week's show, I want to make sure we send a very large thank you to Sheriff Patrick K. Elaine for introducing us to Dr. Katie and Mindy and Jason and Bridget, who are all part of the MOUD opioid treatment program at his jail in Hampshire County. So big shout out to Sheriff Pat. Today's thoughts come from Michelle C. Clark. I hope that when you look back on your life, you have empathy for the well-intentioned version of yourself that didn't always get things right. I hope you give yourself credit for trying and for persisting and for showing up even when things didn't go as planned. I hope that as you continue to learn and grow, you also continue to find deeper levels of self-acceptance and self-understanding. I hope you keep the lessons you learned, but leave the guilt and shame behind. I hope you know that every version of you that has ever existed is worth celebrating. And that's a wrap for this week. As always, it is my hope that the stories and the change makers like Dr. Katie and her team that we share release limiting beliefs around incarceration and all the stigmas that follow those who reenter society with a new lease on life. It is only through storytelling and education that we can truly activate change. I want to thank our guests and our advertisers for their continuing support. You can find this show and all of our shows on the whmp.com podcast page and also on any of your favorite podcast sites. If you'd like to reach out to me with any questions or comments, you can email me at lisa at whmp.com. Have a wonderful week ahead. And remember, don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files.
At the Franklin County Sheriff's Office, our House of Corrections is a no-stigma zone. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'm an Assistant Deputy Superintendent at the Franklin County Sheriff's Office, where we recognize addiction as a disease often rooted in childhood trauma or mental illness. We support, treat, and transition the people in our care with patience and understanding. More importantly, there is no stigma in our house, and I hope you make your house a no-stigma zone, too. For more information on where you can find help, visit opioidtaskforce.org.